Hello, Hyrock. Welcome to our daily devotional. We're continuing uh, our walk through Isaiah today in chapter 32, where, where we will continue to see some of the ways or some of the things that we turn to for a false sense of security rather than turning to God. So we are in Isaiah chapter 32, where we read this. Look, a righteous king is coming and honest princes will rule under him. Each one will be like a shelter from the wind and a refuge from the storm, like streams of water in the desert and a shadow of a great rock in a parched land. Then everyone who has eyes will be able to see the truth, and everyone who has ears will be able to hear it. Even the hotheads will be full of sense and understanding. Those who stammer will speak out plainly. In that day, ungodly fools will not be heroes. Scoundrels will not be respected. For fools speak foolishness and make evil plans. They practice ungodliness and spread false teachings about the Lord. They deprive the hungry of food and give no water to the thirsty. The smooth tricks of scoundrels are evil. They plot crooked schemes. They lie to convict the poor, even when the cause of the poor is just. But generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. Listen, you women who lie around in ease, listen to me, you who are so smug. In a short time, just a little more than a year, you careless ones will suddenly begin to care, for your fruit crops will fail, and the harvest will never take place. Tremble, you women of ease, throw off your complacency, strip off your pretty clothes, and put on burlap to show your grief. Beat your breasts in sorrow for your bountiful farms and your fruitful grapevines, for your land will be overgrown with thorns and briars. Your joyful homes and happy towns will be gone. The palace in the city will be deserted, and busy towns will be empty. Wild donkeys will frolic, and flocks will graze in the empty forts and watchtowers, until at last the Spirit is poured out on us from heaven. Then the wilderness will become a fertile field, and the fertile field will yield bountiful crops. Justice will rule in the wilderness, and righteousness in the fertile field. And this righteousness will bring peace. Yes, it will bring quietness and confidence forever. My people will live in safety, quietly at home. They will be at rest. Even if the forest should be destroyed and the city torn down, the Lord will greatly bless his people. Whenever they plant seed, bountiful crops will spring up. Their cattle and donkeys will graze freely. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, the imagery of this scene is uh, probably not uh, what's normal for us. Most of us don't have donkeys grazing in the field. But one of the things I see clearly throughout this passage is that good leadership makes a difference. It makes a difference for the entire nation. And the, the converse is true. Bad leadership makes a difference as well. And this really reminds me so much of Jim Collins's book, uh, Good to Great, uh, back then they were doing a business study and they were trying to get away from the usual kind of business leadership philosophies that like speed of the leader, speed of the team, like almost every book coming out that, at the time was just about leadership. So they wanted it to look at the companies themselves and identify something other than, than, than just the leadership uh, meme. But so they, they established some uh, great, uh, objective criteria for what would make a successful company. They applied it like a filter to all the publicly traded companies, and they came up with 11 great companies. And they studied those companies to see what made them successful. But as much as they tried to look at the corporate values and, and corporate culture that was expressed in those companies, and, and, and that was certainly true, that was there, they just could not get away from the, from the importance of good leadership. They even identified a specific kind of 
non-typical leader that was at the helm of every one of these objectively identified great companies, something that they uh, called level five leadership. A typical leadership was more level four leadership. Uh, level five leadership was not just another step in that path, but an entirely different kind of leadership. And Christians uh, jumped all over this because what Jim Collins and his team was describing looked an awful lot like the type of leadership that was exemplified in Jesus. And so there was this uh, kind of coming together. But before all this good to great data came out, Isaiah foretells of a kind of leader that they would need and the difference that it would make. Uh, and the contrast is with the kind of leaders that they had had before, people who were given to boasting and scheming and self-promotion. Uh, and then the people who, who were complacent with all of this. They didn't care that there was bad leadership because at least their lives were good, their their homes were happy, and their towns were, were doing well, and their crops were good. So they didn't care that there was injustice and, and problems elsewhere because things were going well for them. Um, you know, it's kind of like the old saying, you know, when, in politics, it's the economy stupid. Uh, it's the economy stupid, right? Uh, well, no, it's, it's more than that. And instead, Isaiah gives a picture here where good leadership uh, and good society, good culture is something that pursues not just what makes us comfortable, but rather pursues generosity. In the middle of this passage, in the middle of this chapter, it talks about that generous people plan to be generous and they stand firm in their generosity. So real, pre real peace and real prosperity that we seek doesn't come through schemes. It comes through real generosity, a commitment to generosity and a commitment to real justice. Uh, one last thing here is at the end of the chapter, uh, it says that bad times will happen. It says in verse 19, even if the forest should be destroyed and the city torn down, I think that's an acknowledgement that, you know, as much as we can look for, uh, security and peace and stability in our times, it's never going to truly be, excuse me, truly be that way. But it says, even when those things happen, verse 20, the Lord will greatly bless his people wherever they plant seed, bountiful crops will spring up and their cattle and donkeys will graze freely. I see that in this um, in this verse that or these two verses that there is this acknowledgement that even in the best circumstances there there will be hard times. But uh, those who follow in this path follow the the kind of path that God wants us to follow. Um, there will be a quick recovery. We will be okay. Uh, disaster will not be the end of the story. So, uh, and of course, I think uh, Jesus is the ultimate example of this kind of leadership, this generosity and this righteousness and this commitment to justice. But I think even with that said, it, it, it just magnifies the importance of having uh, good leaders in the meantime, people who exemplify these same types of qualities of leadership, because it makes a difference for the entire uh, church, company, town, state. Uh, nation, world. It just makes a difference for everybody. It really matters the kind of leadership that we're willing to uh, value and follow. Dave, I'm wondering what you see in, in today's passage. Well, for those of you who were with us yesterday, we talked about, you know, that was the whole thing about um, the people of Israel going back and trying to trust in Egypt to to save them uh, when they were feeling anxious about, uh, you know, Syria. And so, um, and, and what we talked about is what what are the Egypts? What are some of the things that we tend to trust in? Uh, and listed a few things, but one of them was politicians or policies, right? That sometimes we think, oh, if we could just get the right person for president, if we could just get the right person in whatever role, um, that 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 will save us. Then we'll be okay. If we could just get the right law that you know 
stops people or makes people, compels people to do something, the right thing, then everything will work out. And I think that that's a, that's a way of turning back to Egypt, right? It's trying to look for alternatives to God for salvation. Uh, and, and yet what we also said was, it's not that Egypt was evil. It's that, and, and God may choose to use Egypt, as in fact did happen several times. God may choose to use Egypt to care for Israel. The, the challenge was not, the problem was not with Egypt. The problem was with their love and trust in something that wasn't God. And, and I think that this actually is illustrated well here because here the last chapter I talked about, hey, we can't trust in politicians. And then this one opens, right? Verse one, look, a righteous king is coming. An honest, an honest prince is rule under him. Well, what's God's solution? Good politicians, right? I mean, with, you know, you think of kings and whatever. I mean, they're leaders. And so uh, why is this not discontinuous? I actually think it's it's the, the, the clear thing. It's not just a powerful king is coming. It's that a righteous king is coming right and and honest princes that that's this distinguishing characteristic and and i think unfortunately i think the, the american political system lends itself to uh, uh encouraging people to be very self-centered and in fact kind of promoting narcissists <laughs> to the to the top of the heap um you have to be so self-promoting in order to move forward in our system that I think it, oftentimes it weeds out some of the most righteous people. And so that, you know, we end up being faced with the choice of the, 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 the best narcissist, uh, you know, the, the least offensive or whatever. I, uh, you know, so many people talk about, you know, that it's not they're voting for someone, they're, they're just, they're voting against the other person. And, and so I, I, I agree with you. I think that really great leadership can be such a blessing. But that great leadership does not mean in the worldly sense, right? They know everything. They're they're flashy and they're brilliant and, and they're you know super effective at everything. It's that they're righteous. And I think a big piece of righteousness is that they themselves are trusting in God rather than themselves. So not only are they not asking you not to trust in them, they're not trusting in themselves. I think that's one of the real keys to righteous leadership. And I think that that's true in any setting, right? As a parent, as a pastor, as whatever role you might have in in your your you know company or or, or uh, you know organization, that the best leaders are the ones who don't trust in themselves too much. The righteous leader is the one who recognizes that in fact. Right, righteous actually refers not to being perfect. That's how a lot of us think of righteous as their man. They, they, they're, they're, they're sinless. Uh, well, if if we're looking for righteous pastors, then there'll be no pastor anywhere. You right? There is no such thing. No one is righteous. Not even one. The Bible says twice. Uh, and so, given that, how can you have a righteous king if there's no one is righteous? The answer is is that righteous in this setting actually means rightly related. Right. And so it's it the righteous person is the person who has a, a right understanding of themselves and of God and of others. And so they're in a right relationship with God and a right relationship, right relationship with other people. That I, as a leader, am to serve people with the gift God has given me. I am not to make them serve me because of the gift that I have. Hmm. And I think that's so easily twisted when we're in leadership. And again, in any form of leadership, uh, I think at any level. And so uh, I totally agree with you about the, the fact that uh, godly leadership is such a game changer. Uh, and yet, even that by itself 
won't be enough, which of course is what the godly leader knows, because even as he's talking about the, the godly leader versus the, the fools, you know, that so often are, are, are leaders, um, it still comes down to uh, verse near the end, 15 maybe, was it? Yes, until the uh, until at last, he says, wild donkeys will frolic and flocks will graze in the empty forts and watch tires, uh, towers until at last the spirit is poured out on us from heaven. That in the end, even godly leadership is not going to be enough. Only God is enough. And godly leaders know that. That's got to be the real key. And I think that for me is a challenge as the pastor, that there is no amount of godliness. There's no amount of wisdom. There's no amount of, of giftedness. There's no amount of, uh, of whatever that I could ever have that will be enough to be a good pastor. Hmm. Unless I'm pointing people to the spirit of God, who is always more than enough. And, I, and so I, I say that the last thing I just want to agree with you, uh, you pointed out in verse eight, generous people plan to do what is generous and they stand firm in their generosity. I think there's a lot of us who have the spirit that we'd like to be generous, mm. but we're not because we don't plan for it, right? We, we hope we'll have extra and then we can be generous, but we don't plan for it. And I think what's being suggested here is you actually have to organize your life a little bit differently and quite deliberately in order to be generous. And when you do that, it's going to be very costly. And that's, you know, a lot of us, we'd love to be generous as long as it doesn't, you know, if we can afford it, by which means it doesn't cost me anything, you know, that I, I, I treasure. No, no, no. When I plan to be generous, I'm planning for it to cost me something. And then I need to stand firm in that generosity. When that cost comes, I still do it. And, and I think that is, is, uh, is the difference between a person who loves to think of themselves as generous, but is not. And the person who is actually generous. Hmm. Well, let, let me pray for us. I think we're going to need the spirit of God to be poured out on us for this. Amen. Uh, a good and gracious God, we do pray for your spirit to be poured out on us. Whatever authority you give us, Lord, whatever influence we have, help us to be generous and to pursue justice. Help us to be committed to these things. Lord, we thank you for Jesus in the ways that he has been the ultimate example of all of this. May we follow in Jesus faithfully through your spirit. In whose name we pray, amen. Amen. Friends, thank you for joining us this week. We look forward to seeing you this, this Sunday as we worship together and then back here again on Monday as we open up God's word again.